With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast, the show that combines our love of football and very, very average Sunday League playing experiences with our knowledge of football statistics and data analytics. I hope you're as excited as we are because we actually have our first guest on the podcast today, so let's get on with it. But first, my name is Ryan Bailey and joining me as ever, he is to this podcast as Hansi Flick is to Bayern Munich. It's Mark Carey. <laughs> Guten Tag, then, in that case. <laughs> that, that was my way of saying you're like the manager who's like, you know, made it all good again. But, you know, there wasn't a bad phase before that. So it, it wasn't a very good reference, really. But I've gone with it anyway, you know, topical. Yeah, well, last last week it was, I was per Mertesacker. So should I just continue this German theme? <laughs> There's a Bavarian theme here when talking about you. Anyway, I went for a topical leading, which I guess teased me up for the question. Did you watch the Champions League final last Sunday? I haven't spoken to you since then. Yeah, um, I did. It it wasn't quite the the goal fest that we that certainly we predicted. No, and many others did that we were promised. Yeah, yeah. it was a bit of a um, tactical chess match in the end, wasn't it? They they cancelled each other out really, and it, it, often like finals. I mean, the the final last year, Liverpool Tottenham, it ended up being a bit of a drab affair. But I mean, if you're the winners, it was a bit gritty, wasn't it? A bit gritty. It, it was a bit gritty. Yeah, I mean. PSG had their chances. I mean, Mbappe's one is the the standout one, isn't it? Where he, you know, he should have done oh, better. Yes. What was the XG on that? Are we saying? Um, well, I I think it was. I thought it was around 0.3, so a one in three chance. And I looked it up, and I, I think it I think it was it was 0.31, so it was a one in three chance. You've always been good at that game. Yeah, true. But it, maybe people overemphasised how good that chance was. It was a very good chance. It was, but one in three doesn't sound as as nailed on to score. But there were the other two chances as well, wasn't there? There was Neymar's one on his left foot and Di Maria's one on his right foot, where if either of those would have been on their stronger foot, you'd have expected them to do yeah. a lot better. But um, no, they had the chances, PSG. But yeah, Bayern Munich are just a well old machine, aren't they, really? They are. It was one of those classic, every year we hype up how big the final's going to be. But I think this year, everybody genuinely was saying, weren't they? No, no, but this time, 
this is going to be an absolute spectacle and it's two of the greatest teams in the world going at each other. And I was just amazed at how sloppy some of the passing was across the board. I know like Thiago had an incredible game and uh, there was some obviously great football on, on show at, at times. But I, I did think there was just some really wasteful passes in the middle of the pitch and up both end as well. You know, I, I was expecting better. Yeah, it got especially in the second half of the second half, it got really stop start. And people were saying, you know, like, well, I saw people on Twitter saying that, you know, the referee's not doing so well. But it was there was just needless fouls and it got gritty, as you say. It was two stop start. It was sloppy. But at the end of the day, Bayern Munich won't really care as you say though I thought Thiago was was incredible the way that he can control the ball in such tight spaces and get out of trouble and get his team out of trouble in such tight spaces there was one I think he's got a glorious first touch hasn't he yeah glorious first touch where he just he, he changes the direction of the play and I think there was one in the in the first half where I think they took a quick free kick I think Davis gave it to him really quick for a free kick and even he wasn't expected but he still it just stuck to him and they played their way yeah. out and he's just he's just a joy to watch it'll be an absolute coup won't he if uh, if Liverpool manage to get hold of him he will and he, he is a, he's a deep lying playmaker really and he is a bit different to what we have my concern well not concern because if you'd have him in the squad or in the team it'd be brilliant is just my, my thought is Liverpool are quite heavy in midfielders at the moment they've got quite a lot of midfielders that you just think that he's he's a Champions League winner and if he doesn't get a game or he doesn't play every game, then will he have something to say? Or can they guarantee that he'll yeah. play every game? So I don't know whether they can guarantee that. There's there's so many rumours that he's going to go there, but I don't know whether that come that's coming from you know his representatives or from other sources. It seems that there's more and more reliable sources coming out that he might be. But it'd be in a really exciting transfer if he did. I mean, one thing's for sure, though, he will be a big loss for Bayern. But at the same time, the depth of quality they have just everywhere is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? True. I mean, the fact that they could bring on Philippe Coutinho and Ivan Perisic just shows that they've got they've got real good strength, you know, in the wide areas. And then they've brought uh, Leroy Sané come in come next year as well. So you think you well, forget her- that, don't you? You forget. Where's he going to fit in as well? You know where he's going to fit in, but then how are they going to yeah, juggle yeah. all of that? So. Yeah, I think they're only going to get stronger as well. It's a good problem to have. Very good problem to have. Anyway, final thought on the game before we move on. I have been really enjoying all the chat about all the money that PSG have spent over the years. But the homegrown talent who they let go was the one who stuck the nail in the coffin, Kingsley Coleman, who I didn't realise actually played for PSG. I, that's a, a dent in my football knowledge, but I, I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. And I love that. I love that that's how... They ended up going out the Champions League. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't write it, could you? But uh, have you seen Kingsley Coman's uh, CV, by the way? Because he was at Juventus as well, and I think I, I could again. I didn't realise that, but yes, it's outrageous. I could be wrong, but I think that he's only ever won a league title in every professional season that he's played. That's a stat and a half. That isn't I, it? I, I, I could be wrong, but I think that that is the case. Um, where he's going to be in for a shock when he eventually comes a lowly second one season. <laughs> when he doesn't win something, it's going to really hit him hard. Anyway, we'll move on. Mark, we've got a really exciting episode today, haven't we? Why don't you tell the listeners who we've got coming up as our first guest on the podcast? Our first guest indeed. Yeah, we've got the uh, the pleasure of speaking to uh, Tom Goodall, who is a uh, technical analyst and he's most recently worked at uh, Swansea City and prior to that at Derby County. So uh, we're able to get people who are working in have worked in professional football clubs um, on the pod which is which is what we wanted to to do from the very beginning in this podcast so uh, you know it's all very good us talking but we to get a uh, 
professional view on someone who actually knows what they're on about yeah basically basically (laughs) that yeah um i mean ideally we'd have a guest on every single week but you know for the odd occasion listeners are gonna just have to put up with us for some of the episodes (laughs) no but as you say it is really important for us because actually everything that we're trying to achieve with uh the topics that we cover and you know the way that we're trying to explore analytics but look how it's used and how it can be useful surely the best way to start with that is to how actual football clubs use the information and the models and the data and everything that we're sort of enjoying talking about every week but at the end of the day you know football is played by clubs and that's who needs it most right rather than just us fans talking about it yeah and there's in the world of data and analysis and analytics is is definitely growing and it's in its infancy in, you know with regard to football compared to other sports a lot of american sports so there's a lot to learn and there's so many things kind of coming out all the time. The, the, the world of analytics, as I say, is growing. But for all that is interesting to, to read about these new kind of concepts, as you say, what goes on functionally within a football club is what's important. You know, these, these staff members in these clubs don't have time to read too much into the theory, maybe, but they, you know, have very, very intelligent people within their clubs. But rather than, you know, maybe like you or I, it's often for the, at this moment in time, for the sake of knowing, for the sake of increasing our knowledge on analytics, for them, it serves a very different purpose. It's how does it increase our chance of winning a game? And we spoke about that in the past of everything that we talk about in the pod, you know, how can this be important within a football club? How can it be used? How yeah. can this be used and how can this be applied? And we always try to add that focus in all of our episodes but you know having that perspective from someone who has worked within professional football clubs is just so so useful to to add to that um, that key information it's a great opportunity for us to be chatting to someone who actually knows their stuff so uh, uh, first of all uh, um can, can i just take offense <laughs> to that sorry you're really good too mark yeah, um, thanks, yeah. <laughs> okay so without much more chat should we uh, should we get him on let's get tom on go on tom right then Big moment for the pod. We're very excited to welcome former Derby County and Swansea City technical analyst Tom Goodall. He joins us here today. How are you, Tom? Oh, lads. Yeah, really well. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on the podcast. Looking forward to it. Well, you are actually our first guest ever, Tom. So uh, you're going to get a commemorative mug in the post. Uh, This is a a big big moment for all of us, Mark, isn't it? We've been very excited to get someone on the pod. Yeah, we need to design that mug first. Um, (laughs) And we also promise that we'll give everyone a cut of each episode. So if you want, Tom, you can have one third of zero pounds. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. We make no money from this. Yeah. Income is coming any minute. Um, no, so Tom, we've basically, we've been really excited to have somebody who actually works in a professional football club, works within the world of football, because I think the whole point of our podcast has been to try and, you know, make analytics accessible to, to everybody because it's such a minefield of a topic and it's such an amazing world that not many people know about who just love the game. But to actually apply it to a football club and to teams is what it's all about really isn't it and I guess that's why we're so excited to have you today so you can kind of give us a bit of insight as to you know as to how it works within a club yeah for sure uh I think obviously a lot of the time what goes on behind the scenes at football clubs is maybe a little bit under the radar but hopefully uh, you know throughout this chat we can we can go into a bit of depth of, of what actually happens with regards to working with with coaches and players fantastic stuff so you know, your role is as a technical analyst. So just to start off with, what exactly does that entail? So really, as a, as a technical analyst, I'm a bit of a hybrid role, really, where I work with both uh, both performance data and video as well. So in terms of the data, I'm sort of predominantly in charge of turning large data sets into sort of meaningful and, and manageable insights for the, for the other analysts, for the coaches and for the players as well. 
And then it's also about linking that with the video uh, to make sure that obviously what we're seeing in the video matches up to what we're seeing in the data. And we can uh, we can really paint the full picture for the coaches and the players going into uh, game days. And in terms of like your role within you know the wider team, how, how is a team of analysts and the data side of things structured within within a club? Uh, so I've been been quite lucky really at both Derby and at Swansea. Uh, we've had really good departments. Uh, we sort of pride ourselves really as amongst the best in the country. So we've always worked underneath a head of analysis and then underneath that there's been sort of a technical analyst which would be me which would be a bit more data focused then we'd have a tactical analyst or a team or you know two or three tactical analysts that would predominantly work with the video they'd obviously be looking at the opposition looking at set pieces also looking at our own uh, philosophy but really my job is as i've mentioned is making sure that everyone in our team understands the data first and then we can all then go and explain that to the coaches and to the players and, and whoever else needs to sort of understand what we're what we're trying to deliver. Fantastic stuff. Can I, I just, I guess for the listeners as well, Tom, just to sort of confirm when you're saying about data that we just want to make it super clear for everyone when we're talking about that is that are we primarily talking about event data? So actions that happen on the field? Because I know that you work in different with different types of data as well. Yeah, so predominantly for me, it's, it's event data which obviously I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, are well aware of what that is. You know, the XY data where every event essentially has a row of data with a number of variables belonging to that event, you know, where it happened on the pitch, who was involved in the event uh, and so on. Uh, but I also work quite heavily with physical performance data. So I work with the physical performance team, you know, the sports scientists basically creating sort of dashboards for the for the GPS data. So rather than using sort of out-the-box products, if you like, so what, let's say, Stats Perform, Scout, Instat, stat sports catapult all these companies provide you like an out-the-box solution what we've tried to do in my last two roles is we've taken the raw data and we've created our own version uh, like a real bespoke sort of product using the raw data to make sure that it's relevant to what we need at the club so you're talking about like distances and you know sprint speeds and when you say physical data is that is that the sort of stuff you're referring to it is yep uh so distance covered high intensity distance covered sprint speeds and so on but it's not just as simple as that it's obviously trying to work out thresholds where over a, a number of training sessions when is a player getting close to sort of their peak you know when have they done too much when do we need to come off them in training obviously i do a lot of sort of the back end work to make that look nice and help the physical performance coaches but they're the ones really with the the expertise in that area to know when they see a certain number they need to act upon it, if that makes sense. You really can't slack as a player, can you, at like a training anymore? Like I'm not for years I'm sure they haven't been able to, but if, if someone's having an off day, like there's so many people in that team who will know about it. Yeah, do you? And is that the kind of thing you like pick them up on? Yeah, well, obviously not not myself personally, the coaches would. <laughs> Tom, go uh, chat to Adama Traore. He hasn't been running very fast. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, a coach will come up to you and they'll say, Oh, can we see player X's numbers because we think he did this? Uh, a lot of the time to be fair, coaches are right, you know, what they see they see uh and i think if you give them a number to back it up then they've got the sort of the weapon they need to then go to the player and say look we know you've done this you know on, on tuesday night we need you to do more of it and, and that's something i was just going to ask actually how much do the coaches kind of want confirmation of what they think they see with data and how much are they kind of wanting to explore things to say i want to maybe look at this in a different way or is it that they may mainly sometimes looking for confirmation on what they already know and backing that up with data it's probably a little bit of both really i think for a lot of coaches they sort of they know what they know and if you can back them up and help them that's like a big help for them they're like yeah i was right (laughs) 
Uh, but part of our job is obviously to drop little bits in, sort of drip feed things into them. So they say, oh, yeah, that that's another thing. You know, we're not trying to do their job. We're there to help them. We're trying to give them more tools to help them do their job better. So, you know, if we can just drop something in, oh, we only played this pass four times in the first half. Obviously, when you're watching the game, you don't know that. Whereas we can give them like a definitive number, you know, which sometimes just helps them out. I think that's the, the, the key to it really is in my role. And I think all analysts really is how you can deliver your message to the coach. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I I know that in terms of the the culture of using more and more data, that you don't want to inundate coaches or people who might not be as receptive to the use of data. That I guess my question is, how much do coaches understand data, or do you have to kind of simplify it and not use technical terms? You know, if we've you know we spoke about XG a lot in our in our previous episodes of the pod, that you might just want to say that they get in higher quality areas to, to score a goal. You don't even mention the, the technical terms, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think you've, you've almost answered your own question really there. S- some coaches are a bit more technical than others. I think at Swansea, our coaching staff came from, from the FA, so they had an FA background. So they were pretty technical really with regards to sort of using technology and they're receptive to new tools, which was, which was really good. But I think that's it. I think if you have to explain what you're showing, you're probably not showing the right thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, if, if you show a coach, let's say a chart, if I make a chart in Tableau, if I have to explain what that's showing, it's probably not doing its job. And I think the same with video as well. You know, I think like the difference between analysis that you maybe see fans produce compared to analysis you see in a club, uh, even video clips. I see some people put things on the internet. Oh, you know, look at this passage of play and they write a paragraph of text over it. I think if you have to write a paragraph of text over a clip, it's probably the wrong clip. Yeah, that's a really good point, I think. And that's actually something I want to speak to you about with the, you know, there's a lot of public work going on on Twitter. Some of it is is really, really good. Of just, just how different it is to, to what actually goes on in a club. Because I, I know from looking at some of the, the videos that you've done in the past, which have uh, been put online, that ultimately you want to increase the chance that your club is going to win football matches. That's the, that's the key thing. So how much different is what goes on, on in public work to actually what goes on inside the club? Yeah, so like you say, there, there is some good work out there. There is some stuff, it's almost work for the sake of work. You know, we can all make a, a sort of scatter plot and I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that, that's fine. Uh, and, you know, sort of like a player age by player minutes, you're sort of seeing that quite a lot of the minute. There's a lot of sort of regurgitated work and that's fair enough, that can have a place in football. But again, in your question, you know, it's for me, it's all about winning football matches. That's my job. My job is to help the team win football matches. The chef at the clubs, his job is to help us win football matches. So that's exactly what we're all there for. So from my point of view, it's the work that I'm delivering. How can that help us win a football match? Yeah. I love that. It's like, because uh, when I look down the Twitter feed, I understand about 20% of it. I'm not, I won't lie, you know, but I love looking at the pretty colours. It's great. But I think the whole point of our podcast, actually, you've kind of just summed it up, Tom, is like, how do you translate that to people who can't understand really complicated looking, uh, you know, graphs and metrics and uh, models and all that sort of stuff because at the end of the day you're talking about football aren't you you are talking about a way that this is helpful not whose graph is better than who even though they are good yeah that, that's it a lot of stuff a lot of stuff is is really good out there and, and I think maybe there I think there is a, a need for a difference for, for fans on the internet and for within a club because I think fans maybe just need to understand things that they don't know about whereas in the club I don't need to explain you know with a blog what expected goals means or whatever it is you know I'm working yeah. with professional footballers and professional football coaches for me it's just they should know them, yeah, and if they don't, then I've not done my job and I probably wouldn't be working. But <laughs> for me, it's like I said, you know, in the videos that I've produced before uh, that, are, that are available online, you know, it's, it's all about simplicity, really. Because ultimately, uh, we're not going to go into a team meeting and we're not going to show a blog post or four or five different visuals. We're probably going to show two or three numbers. Yeah. They do this, yeah. they do this, and they do this. 
that that's that's a really interesting point i think do you and again you've spoken about this in the past do you supplement that with primarily going more towards when you actually show players and maybe show coaches that you show the video more which is backed up with data i just know that you got that you make want to make sure that that relationship between what you find in the data and actually what goes on in the field with video analysis go hand in hand i know that you've said in the past that's quite important right yeah that's it so i, I think in terms of uh Video is easy for players to understand, right? A player would rather watch a video and they can understand what's happening because they're out there on the pitch and they see things happen. The way I've worked in the past in, in team meetings would sort of give them like a grab them and we'd play, let's say we're playing uh, Millwall, let's say, for example. We might say, okay, they're, they're second in the league for direct long balls, they're top of the league for headed goals. I'm just, make, I'm just making this up, by the way, but it, it might be true. Uh, and they're third in the league. No, you're for... not making that up, Tom. You're not making that up. <laughs> Millwall are definitely that start, aren't they? <laughs> so, so we'd show we'd show some things like that, and then obviously, then in the clips that would follow that, you would see examples of it happening, basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's backed up. So I actually asked this question in um, in the first episode we did, Tom. I sort of said to Mark how I've always been interested as someone who doesn't know an awful lot about it, how coaches and players would respond to being given this information. And I guess you just answered my question from a from a little while back. The, the video pe- people see video and see actual football, and that sort of resonates with them more than you've done this 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 on on paper as much you know I, I would imagine the video helps more for sure I think that's it I think you can you can find the insight using the data quicker than you can use in the video but then I think to sort of back up the point or to reinforce the point you can use the video so you know we might want to say a coach might come up to me and say okay we want to know who the best team is in Europe at defending corners we can't do that using yeah. the video yeah right so what I'll do is I'll go away I'll do a bit of work using the data I'll find who the team is then we'll go to the video, clip up some of them defending corners and then give them the full package so we can say, right, this is how many they conceded from corners. This is the percentage they conceded from corners. This is where it ranks in, in Europe. And here's six examples of them winning the first contact from a corner and how they set up to mark. Yeah, and we spoke about that in previous episodes of the pod where the, I guess what you're saying there as well, Tom, is that the data is a time efficient and cost efficient method to then go and then dig into the video or dig into live analysis if you're doing scouting or recruitment or that sort of thing it's just it's the first line of the production line where it's just going to make your life easier because if you did it the other way and then you went straight to let's say it was scouting live scouting or video analysis for scouting then you would be there all day and it's just not time efficient that's it uh, there are sort of tools now that are arriving that are, uh, that are sort of coming onto the, the market really that clubs are using now, which allow you to link video and, and data. And you can do these things a lot quicker now than, than you used to be able to. But from a raw data point of view, for example, using XY coordinates, we can say, right, we want to know passes from this area of the pitch to this area of the pitch. And we can just sort of code that in and you'll have all, all the passes, you know, within a matter of seconds, really. If you want to find those in the video, <laughs> if you've got the right tool... You've got to watch a lot of football for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree. Oh, I love this. Um, I, I want to take a bit of a slight zoom out, actually, Tom, because we never actually asked you at the beginning. And I don't know if this is a how long is a piece of string sort of question, but I want to get an idea of your typical week, basically. And I know that it's going to change depending on how many fixes you have, etc., from when, you know, from when you're at the club. But um, is there a typical week? week or lead up to a match day that, that you have or have had within the team i suppose there is if you were saying just one a one game week which doesn't happen very mm-hmm. often obviously especially in the championship and especially in the in the current climate yeah. now there's not going to be many of them this season i don't think yeah. probably sunday monday we're looking post-match from the game we've just played on the saturday but what i would always do personally on on the saturday after the game so let's say at five six o'clock after a three o'clock kickoff i'd create a, a post-match data report that i'd get sent out to, to all the uh, all the coaches and the analysts 
on a Sunday, Monday, we'll then do more bespoke work. So we'll look back at the data and we'll try and find specific things that stick out in that data report. We'll go and back that up with video. There'll also be certain sort of philosophy and tactical uh, pieces of the game that we need to pull out in the video as well. That will probably get presented to the players, let's say, on a, on a Monday. Uh, then on a Tuesday, we'll be looking ahead to the game, the Saturday coming. Wednesday's normally a day off if it's a one-game week, which is nice. They don't happen very often. Uh, <laughs> and then Thursday, Friday is sort of meetings, really. So Thursday would be a game plan meeting where we'd deliver the game plan to the players. Uh, a Friday would be a set-piece meeting where we'd deliver the set-pieces to the players. And then obviously we'd play on a Saturday. So in terms of my role throughout that, uh, there'd probably be those sort of grab them, sort of those little nuggets of data at the start of the meeting yeah. on a Thursday and the start of the meeting on a Friday. So on, again, on Thursday, it would be they play this many long passes, they play this many crosses, you know, they do this. And then on the Friday for the set pieces, it would be they're ranked third for attacking set pieces and they're ranked seventh for defending set pieces with a couple of numbers around that. They really don't have very long to take it on board, do they? That's the thing that's striking me at the moment is, you, you know, you're talking all of that within one week and you're having the game plan meeting on Thursday, the game's on Saturday. If you told me that, I mean, I'm not a professional footballer, but if you told me that I'd got, you know, one day to completely just adjust my game and the team's game and strategy for the opponent on Saturday, and then we've got to do it again on, you know, Monday, that's that's a hell of a lot to, you know, to take on, isn't it? That's it. I think, you know, you, you probably get, what, two and a half maybe training sessions to work on the game plan. Obviously, you train Thursday, you train Friday as well, following the meetings. Probably do a little bit of work if you're in on the Wednesday or the Tuesday as well, looking ahead. But I think it's like you say, you know, with, with regards to time scales, that's on a Saturday to Saturday game week. But if you think that the nine or 10 games that we've just played after the, uh, you know, the return to play, we were playing 10 games in 30 days or, or whatever it was. And, you know, it was almost one day between games, especially uh, at Swansea when we're travelling back from London. You know, you're sort of getting back at God knows what time. You're up the next morning, you're doing a game plan meeting for the next team, and then the following day you're playing. You know, it's uh, it can it's be a good turnaround. I read this thing, um I read this thing recently, um, which I think is a stick that Pep Guardiola gets hit with quite a bit. Um, but he it's it was about how he for big games changes his tactics, you know, almost overcomplicates it too much, which I don't know how true that is. But then I guess this is kind of what you're saying. If if the players have been asked to completely change the meant to play with two false nines and this blah blah blah, it, it just it, within a very quick turnaround, sometimes can that go wrong? You know, within teams, is it, is, can it overcomplicate it sometimes? Well, I, I think it can, uh, but I, I wouldn't say that happens very often. Though I think really you, you have the plan as a team, you know, and you stick to the plan. Uh, I don't think it's it's very often. Maybe the top teams like Manchester City have got the players to be able to adapt and play a lot of different shapes. Whereas I think a lot yeah. of teams uh, they have their playing style, their philosophy, and, and you know they'll they'll sort of stick to that really as much as they can. I think that that's a really good I point see. as well, and that. If the players have to receive a complicated message, then you're just more likely to confuse them anyway. So I guess it's on the the part of the, the coaches and the staff to make sure that the message that they give to the players is as simple as possible, but actually maximises the chance that they'll actually go and implement that on the pitch. So I suppose it's it's on the, the staff to actually make sure that the, that message might come from a complicated beginning but it's it's filtered and then simplified as much as possible to the players I suppose because of that quick turnaround I guess exactly and I think sometimes as well when you've got a quick turnaround it's not so much about the opposition it's about yourselves it's about you know if we stick to our core principles and our style of play and our philosophy we'll be fine mm, yeah absolutely. you know we don't need to watch 10 minutes of the opposition playing let's watch three or four good moments from our last game we do this again we'll be fine I think sometimes a simple message like that is all they need. Yeah, true. And it worked to to good effect with Swansea in that late dash for the for the playoffs. So absolutely, yeah, clearly it's worked. But um 
just to pick up on the the player side of things in there how much they receive the the use of data i know that they're so adept at having like tracking you know in training and stuff but how much is the have you noticed any difference in the data culture like are there any certain players who come to you guys as a team and say you know what are my numbers on this and i want to make sure that i improve on on certain metrics how have you seen any change and are there any particular i don't know whether you can say any particular players who who have been more receptive to it than others yes some players are definitely more receptive than others i think obviously the way the game's going i think the younger players that have sort of had analysis from a young age group now and have had it all the way through you know they, they have relationships with the analysts and they'll come in and they'll speak to you and they'll a lot of the time they might just want to see the goals or when they put it through someone's legs at training <laughs> by doing things like that you know you, you build a relationship with the players and then after a game they might come to you and they might ask to see certain moments or they might ask to see their numbers i know there's a few players that would often come in and, and look at some of our tableau dashboards for the gps data oh you know how did i do there compared to my previous game I think the good thing with, with working with sort of younger players as well is people are always on the phones right these days and players are the same when they're in the dressing room, they're on the phone or they're on the iPad or whatever it is. So if you can just send them something out on WhatsApp, a little PDF report on WhatsApp where it's got some data, it's got a little link to go through to the video, they might watch that, you know. So yeah, uh, I think so it's all good. about the, the delivery as well of these things. Yeah, no, that's really clever. Yeah, just send them the report with maybe a couple of thumbs up emojis just to <laughs> just to speak to their sort of language. Yeah, no, that, that's 40, really 40 really yard screamer was brilliant. That's yeah. it. You know, some you know, if, if after a game, if you're down in the changing rooms and someone scored a goal, they'll all be gav. You know, if there's a big tackle, they'll all be gathering around wanting to see that. And you know, once you yeah. get that buy-in from the players, then they'll ask you for more things. You know. Yeah, yeah. Use it to your advantage, absolutely, with the with the age of technology and stuff. And yeah. actually, I guess it kind of mirroring that question, how much do you actually then engage with? with the manager, with the gaffer, with obviously, you know, most recently with, with Steve Cooper at Swansea, that, you know, it, it filters to the coaches, I'm sure, with what you do. How much does it then actually directly reach the manager or is it then filtered again before it reaches the manager? No, uh, it not filtered. So at Swansea, Steve, head of analysis, myself and, and another Tom as well, uh, Tom Jenkinson and myself, all three of us really were, were in every team meeting. So when we spoke about the, uh, the, the typical week on a sort of a Wednesday or a Tuesday, we'd do like a, the staff game plan meeting where we would come up with a game plan to deliver to the players and we'd be in that meeting and the manager would say you know if there's anything you don't agree with or there's anything that you want to add you know he said just say it so we had a really really good relationship with the coaches to be fair at Swansea and they were receptive to everything uh, we sort of offered them sometimes they wouldn't agree with it and that's fine sometimes we wouldn't use it but sometimes we might have seen something that they hadn't seen you know if, if we'd been to a, a game live and watched it we might have spotted something that maybe they hadn't but no the, the coaching staff were, were brilliant really and we were we were heavily involved with them and I guess that's it's so- just your job to provide them with that isn't it if they choose to use it if they don't choose to use it you've still done your job haven't you I, I would imagine yeah that's exactly it yeah so uh, it's, you know, it's like I said earlier we're, we're not trying to do their job for them we're just trying to give them a few extra tools to, to be able to do their job better and it's it's entirely up to them whether they want to uh, use those little bits of information or if they think they've already got enough which is something you said weeks ago Mark you said something like analytics isn't there to overtake football it's there to sort of enhance it's it and tool. provide it with it's a tool to to help it and i guess that's exactly what you've just said tom which is which is great this is the whole point in the chat isn't it can i just say it's yeah. not lost on us how much we find this really cool As yeah. in, we, we try, we're trying to be all cool about it but you just when you're saying that you're having meetings every week with the, yeah, you know, with, with Steve Cooper, that's that's just amazing. So like, yeah, yeah, um, tell us tell us how they receive it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> we're trying to pretend like we're we're playing it really cool, but it, yeah, it's just so interesting to to hear and to to get sort of an inside scoop on actually what goes on in a club. So can I ask a non-cool question, Tom? What's the best thing you've ever seen in training? As someone like at 
absolutely run through, you know, a non-analytics thing as someone absolutely sort of taking everyone on, smashing it against the bar, comes off the keeper, <laughs> falls in. Do you know what I mean? What's the best thing you've ever seen in training? I'll tell you the best thing I've seen. It was at Derby uh, season before the last one, obviously. And we're doing like a, we were training at the stadium. We were doing sort of like a walkthrough in shape and it was like put a cross in and then the forwards were finished. And we, we'd signed yeah. FA Ambrose quite a sort of a seasoned veteran plays in Scotland quite a bit we'd sign him to sort yeah, of yeah. cover at, cover at centre off he never actually played but he was obviously in training and it was basically FA just stand in the box and sort of be there but don't really do anything and let the forward score past <laughs> you he blocked everything for like 20 minutes he just headed everything blocked everything tackled everything you're like no FA don't do it yeah <laughs> that's great doesn't do Love things that. by half <laughs> well Tom I think we've pretty much covered absolutely everything we wanted to ask in terms of how your role works at a football club and I tell you what that was absolutely cracking Mark wasn't it in terms of what we learned there yeah and I mean in an ideal world we would have Tom for hours and hours and I would take up far too much of his time but for the purpose of the <laughs> pod today um that yeah they, those are all the questions we can ask for now but so interesting and I want to ask more daft questions but I realize that I should probably stay a little bit more professional. we'll send you the daft questions separately Tom and uh, you can enjoy <laughs> just reading through those um thank you so much for coming on and joining us just before we go we know that now so after spending last season with Swansea you're now no longer at Swansea can you tell us a bit about what you've got coming up personally yeah so uh, I had a really good season obviously with Swansea uh, I've had two seasons on the trot now finishing the playoffs which has been good it's been a shame not to quite make it over the line but you know I've had two two really long seasons uh, and especially this season with the way everything happened uh, yeah. yeah for me sort of a couple of things in the pipeline really the main thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to releasing in the next few days really is going to be an applied Tableau training course so I use Tableau That's quite heavily in my role uh, we sort of briefly spoke about it there. But what I want to do is I want to be able to show essentially what we've spoken about today, really, and how we can actually make applied things. So what questions a coach is going to ask you and how can you be ready to answer those questions without having to go away and build something? You'll already have something built, ready to go. Uh, so it's going to be like a really applied course. Uh, initially, it's going to be a sort of a, an intro to, to Tableau and football, like an, uh, yeah, like an introduction course, really. And then following on from that, there's going to be more advanced stuff. There's probably going to be a set piece special, a physical performance special. So there's going to be lots of things in the pipeline. Uh, hopefully some of the listeners might be interested in it. Give it a try. Hopefully, hopefully you boys will as well. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be tuning into that. And I guess my next question is, Tom, which is the main question, how can we how can we get in contact with you? How can anyone who's interested um, get in contact with you? Yep. So uh, yeah, I think the easiest way is really probably on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. Feel free to direct message me, anybody that wants to get in touch. You know, I'm always happy to speak to people. And yeah, hopefully look forward to the courses and, and I'll be back in the game before long as well. Nice. Brilliant. Tom, that was absolutely stellar. Thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. And we will speak to you soon. Thanks, Tom. Good stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks, lads. Appreciate you uh, letting me come on. I'm looking forward to that morgue as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, how good was that? That was like a football analytics dream, wasn't it? Yeah, these are the sorts of things which, the sorts of podcasts which I would listen to anyway. So to have Tom on the pod was was a real coup. So uh, top man, really, really helpful with his time. Um, it was so interesting, wasn't it? Such great insight. I actually thought that the thing that got me the most was just how quick the turnaround is from oh, from yes. match, well, match day, but even within the match day, from the three o'clock kickoff, he said, you know, by half five, they're, digging into the data there's no stone left unturned they make sure that they don't leave any time before actually just getting straight on the analysis and then looking towards the next game it's just I guess that's the nature of the championship I guess when you know you're talking about Swansea and Derby that they have so many fixtures that they just have to have a really quick turnaround and I think for me just I totally agree 
the thing that stands out is how you think of a professional footballer and you obviously think about how good they are at football and how uh, fast they are and how good they you know, cross the ball, etc. But I never really think about how much information they must have to retain tactically and how much they have to sort of take on and understand. Their their knowledge of the game is obviously incredible as well as their sort of skill for the game, isn't it? And I think when he hearing Tom talk about the meetings that they have and the insight they're given you kind of just never I I personally never think about that side of the game as much no true and again that's where I sort of checked with Tom a little bit when we chatted about it that I imagine that you know all of the information that Tom and his team had access to and every football club has access to versus then what then gets filtered all the way down to the players I guess is two very different things like there must be so much information that they could feed to the players but ultimately they have to give a simplified message maybe two three key points per player I'm just making this up, but like very simplified message so that they only know, they only need to know a couple of key things in advance of the match day. Because if you did equip them with 20 things to remember for each game and you're playing every three days, it would be, you know, information overload. So I think that's the skill of the likes of, you know, Tom and his staff to be able to get certain messages across to coaches to then pass that on to the players. Absolutely. And once again, top man for Tom for coming on and, uh, being a guest on the podcast our first guest and i think mark it went very well yeah yeah absolutely top man as you say so let's look to next week then i personally have been very excited by this it's something i look forward to every year it's doing my fancy football team for the new season so next week we will be choosing our teams at the same time and having a look at each other's teams and we're hopefully going to use analytics to inform some of our choices, Mark, aren't we? Which I can assure you is something I've never done when picking my fantasy football team in recent years. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to certainly look at some of the uh, some of the data from last season to inform my picks for um, for next season. What I would say is though that my um, my friend said that once his colleague at work they did a um, you know a group fantasy football team at work and one of the his colleagues who doesn't like football at all just did one of the you know the random you can just click like random yeah and she she won the league that season stop so, it no transfers or anything well i don't think so either but like for all the time that you know we obsess over tweaking and uh tinkering i think sometimes there's something to be said about just going for just going for a team and just sticking with it and for you you've got the issue of not allowing yourself to pick manchester united Everton or Manchester City players in your team which surely that's a right headache when players like Martial are performing so well I mean I don't think I'm going to do that next season I think I sort of started early doors last season by doing that (laughs) and then quickly realized that it probably wasn't the best idea in the world slightly not no no but it was kind of yeah blind loyalty to Liverpool versus just setting myself up to fail and I yeah I came second bottom didn't I which was not good, but not you did come second bottom. But not because I didn't know what I was doing. I was going to say, but more because I was blind stubbornness. I was just being stubborn. So um, yeah, I think that ahead of next season, I think I'm just going to go back to normal. Let's be honest, though. To be fair, picking Man City players is an absolute nightmare because unless Pep changes his ways this season, you just don't know who they're so expensive, and you just don't know who is going to be playing every week. Like Aguero is a nightmare to have in your team. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to it in the in the next episode, I guess. But there is something to be said about simply picking players who you know are going to play because there's nothing worse Absolutely. than clicking on and being like, ah, oh, 
I've got three Zero. players and they're just not playing today at all. They're not even on the bench or something. So I think there's something to be said about just hedging your bets and actually just putting players in who you know are actually going to play the game. Absolutely. And I, for one, I'm very excited about that episode. Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I think it could be useful for the listeners as well if we can give any top tips um, ahead of the new season, if there's any specific gems. Probably people will know a lot of them anyway, but if there's any out of the ordinary that we could... Uh, pick up on then uh, then hopefully we'll help other people with their fantasy teams as well and i think ryan that brings us to the end of this episode and it's been an absolute joy to do this one especially with uh, with tom so thanks again to tom as as always for anyone at home if there's anything that you would like us to unpick or discuss in future pods or any comments that you have you know where to find us uh, at our email is fanalytics.pod at gmail.com or you can tweet us at fanalyticspod Thank you again for listening, everybody. Ryan, thank you for your time. I will see you Always. shortly. Um, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.